I do hope, though, that what we learned in the last year is that our constituents here, you know, students, faculty, staff, realize how important the card actually is. Um, that it is so much more than just a piece of plastic with your name and your picture on it. I mean, it's, I like to say it's the key to the Emory experience, and so I really hope that people feel that same way. Welcome to Focus, a podcast dedicated to the business of higher education. I'm your host, Heather Richmond, and we will be exploring the challenges and opportunities facing today's higher learning institutions. On this episode, I'm joined by Kim Pfeffer, director of Emory Card at Emory University. She walks us through how changes and updates in the card office improve processes, creating a better experience for both staff and students. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Kim. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm looking forward to talking about how things have changed and what we're doing for the fall. Yeah, well, I know a lot has certainly changed on campus since the last time that we talked. So why don't you just give us a little update on how things are looking at Emory University? Sure. Um, we just wrapped up our academic year, but this spring we had we did have students in residence. Um, we had one student per room, um, so that was a reduced density there. And we did have a few in-person classes. Those were more um, for labs or for graduating students that had a specific requirement in order to graduate. Okay. Um, so we did have we did have people here. Um, the one thing that's interesting for us, though, is that we had not taken one photo for an ID card in our office since March of 2020. Wow. Uh, we've been using, yeah, we've been using our photo upload. We pushed everyone to photo upload, and I think it's been great. We just, was it wasn't safe to do it in our office with the distance and everything. So it's, it's really kind of altered a little bit how we do our business. But I think um, it's, there's been some hiccups and people have some, you know, challenges figuring out which photo is okay or people just not reading um the you know plain white background only you in the picture um but my team works really closely with individuals to help them get what they need and um we've been doing that now for over a year and it's been great um the only thing that you know kind of came up as a challenge for us over the past year is a lot of people ask us to mail them their cards Mm. and we don't do that because as soon as our cards are printed they're effectively active and so right. if someone was to you know grab that out of the mail they could come to campus and try to use it so we um we don't mail cards i know a lot of schools have done that um but we just ask people to wait till they came um okay. you know there's no you don't need it now there why risk losing it between you know now and whenever you get to campus just wait and we'll service you um when you arrive so that's that's kind of like our year in a in a real short nutshell. Yeah, you know, that makes a lot of sense, and I wouldn't have thought about that. So good thing you guys did that this is an active card that could get you on campus and get you to places that you may not want if somebody just happens to, you know, get that in your mailbox. So that, that, was, that was a really good idea. Mm-hmm, exactly. And the other thing was that um, all of our buildings were locked down. So it okay. became, and we're probably going to talk about this more later, but it became so much more important to have a card. And so for us to mail one out and potentially it get, um, you know, taken out of the mail or found by someone else, that was a big deal because cards were active and that was the way you were moving around campus. It wasn't just open buildings anymore. And that helped us to keep track of who was on campus and where they went and um, why they were there. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And speaking of uh, the fact that you had some folks on campus, what were the measures that you put in place to ensure that safety? And, and then how do you see that progressing this fall? 
Sure. We actually had some really extensive onboarding protocols for both ourselves as staff members and faculty and also our students. Um, I actually, in preparing for our talk today, I went back to look and see what we had to do. Um, it was it was a lot. And so in both last spring, this fall, and this this spring, we had to onboard ourselves every time to say, hey, we're going to be coming to campus. Right. So there was a community compact that kind of outlined the behaviors that were expected, like distancing, washing your hands, not coming to campus if you were sick, wearing a mask, all of those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. We had to go through a COVID-19 training module online with a short quiz. We had to do a health assessment or like an attestation. We had to make sure we had an emergency contact on file. And then this was really interesting. They asked us for a, our 12 closest contacts that we come in, you know, that we interact with on campus. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, it got to the point where most of us weren't here. And so we weren't really in contact with anyone or in, in, in the same vicinity. But this was for contact tracing in case right. of exposure. So if, you know, because they had a special line set up since we're tied to a, you know, a hospital, we were able to call if we had symptoms or tested positive, we could call to this special line just for Emory faculty and staff and employees and say, hey, I tested positive, and they would take care of the contact tracing if it was necessary, if you had been on campus and interacted with people. So that was, that was great. And you could also choose if they would release your name or not. So you could say someone you come in contact with has tested positive, or they could say you were in contact with Kim and she tested positive. Oh. So you had the choice, which was, which was nice. And then for students, now faculty and staff were not required to be tested. Testing was made available to us, um, but students were required to be tested. Um, when it got to the spring semester, residential students had to be tested twice a week and off-campus students had to be tested once a week before coming to campus. Um, and then also they had to submit their immunization records as they always have in the past. We also were required to get the flu vaccine if we were going to be coming to campus over the, um, the winter and the spring. Mm. So there was a lot that they really made sure that we were very aware of what we were signing on to by coming to campus. Wow. Now, has that changed at all, kind of going back into fall? I would assume a little bit. I'm assuming it's going to change. They haven't put out what our protocols are going to be for the fall, um, except for that students are required to be vaccinated. Um, so we don't know. We have not gotten anything specific about what the fall is going to look like as far as masking, you know, with the new guidance from the CDC. Mm -hmm. I know that our residence halls will be going back to regular capacity again. Um, most classes will be in person, um, but I don't know what other protocols or onboarding procedures are going to still be in place when we plan on coming back in, in the fall. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. And I know that, like you said, since you weren't mailing the cards and you weren't taking photos any longer, you really created a new process around obtaining their Emory card, right? We sure did. And I have to tell you, every week I would tell my staff, there's going to be less people this week. There's going to be less people this week. Because I really didn't think, you know, people aren't coming to campus. At least faculty and staff aren't coming to campus. The students aren't really going anywhere. So who's who do I need to make all these cards for? I was shocked by the number of cards we would be making in a week. Really? Um, yeah. I mean, people were losing them. I mean, that was number one. Okay. People were losing them. Um, or they got one a million years ago, lost it, or didn't think it was necessary to have because at one point the campus was just open. So sure. as long as you got here, you know, 
nine o'clock in the morning and left before six, the buildings were just open as people could just, you know, egress in and out and not right. have to worry about tapping a card. So we were really shocked about how many cards we were making, but we tried our best to make it a simple three-step process. Okay. Now, you know, even, no matter how easy you make it, people need to read. Um, <laughs> so we did have some hiccups, but we tried to make it as easy as possible. So step one um, was to upload your photo and your government-issued ID. We used the My Photo platform for photo uploads, okay. so we did that. Number two is we asked them to, re to request a card, and we did that through a so an online software called Airtable, where we can create a form, and all the information goes right into a spreadsheet, and we were able to keep track that way. So we had a student request form, a faculty staff request form, and then sponsored accounts, which is our visitors and contractors. So we okay. had three different forms for that. And also in there, we asked them, how are they paying for it? Are you using, you know, your stored value account? Are you, is the department paying for it? Um, because we also weren't able to take cash. We weren't able to take credit cards. We had to, you know, come up with new ways to charge people. Sure. So before this all happened, in the before times, um, we actually had just implemented charging replacement cards to students' accounts. So that made it really easy. Students could just say, charge my student account okay. when I need my replacement card. But for faculty and staff, it was a little bit more of a of a lift for them because they would have to either ask their department to pay for it or they'd have to upload money onto their steward board value account, which may not be something that they would normally do. But sure. we worked through all of that. And then the third part is that we had them make an appointment. Now, that was that was our third iteration. Um, at first, we were printing cards once a week, and we were taking them to our police our police department for distribution, which worked out really well um, for a while. And then we saw that the request numbers were getting higher and higher, and once a week just wasn't cutting it. Yeah. So then, um, later in the summer last year, we moved to a system where you'd request it, we'd print a card, and we would just have them available at certain times. So we were very fortunate that our peers in our office space is the cashier's office. So they have a, a you know, essentially a banking window with the glass that goes all the way up to the oh, ceiling right. with the walls. So that was really great. So we asked if we could use their space. So we would say, okay, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we'll have someone waiting at the window between this time and this time for you to come pick up your cart. Okay. Well, most of the time, my, my team would just be sitting there. No one would be coming. And I'm like, okay, this is a complete waste of their time because right. they could be doing something else. So what we finally moved to after the holidays, we moved to an appointment system. Okay. And it's worked much better. Um, we scheduled ten minute, ten, uh, appointments in 10-minute intervals during the morning and in the afternoons, three days a week, and then also on Tuesday afternoons. And so that way, people can find the time that works best for them, um, and we make sure that they have that time block is just for them. So typically, there's no one else in the lobby space or even mostly in the building when they come in for their appointment. Okay. So we've been really we've been really happy with that. Wow, that's that's really great. And like you said, it's all been lessons learned, and there's never a mm -hmm. we figured this out and it's stuck. You have to adapt and and uh, look to see how that's going to work going forward. Exactly. I mean, it was it was a lot of trial and error. And, it you know, once you'd get into a rhythm, my team would be like, we're changing this again. And it's like, this is just what we have to do. I mean, we don't every week, it was like something was changing. It was like this way or that way. And so we just had to kind of keep adapting. And I always said to them, if it doesn't work, we'll change it. It's not I'm not the end of the world. Let's right. see how it goes. And we can always try something new. Absolutely. So you already had some students back. But this fall, you're bringing everybody back. Is that right? 
That is correct. We are planning to have full capacity back in August. Um, they, our leadership really talks about Emory as a place. And for, the, for folks to get the real experience, we all need to be in this place together. Right. And so we are bringing our students back. Um, our leadership, or at least my leadership, I'm not, I'm not speaking for like the highest leadership here, but the leadership that I report to has characterized it as we're going back to fall 2019. So okay. all of the hoopla that, you know, that we did for move in back in fall, you know, August, 2019, that's where we're going back to. And it's really going to be that welcoming environment, not only for our new students, but also for the students that, that started last fall, because right. they didn't have that big experience. I mean, even if they lived on campus, it was this really awkward, you have to go get tested, wait right. 15 minutes for your test results. Okay, then you can move in and you can, you know, it, it was very calculated. And so this time it's going to be a little bit more, um, or hopefully a lot more uh, fun and welcoming and exciting for all of those students. Because we are looking at um, standard occupancy in the residence halls, okay. um, full, yeah, standard class sizes, um, student life activities, intramurals, club sports, fitness um, and recreation. As of the most recent guidelines for the fall, face coverings are going to be required, but I don't know how that will, if it will change based on the newest um, information from the CDC. Right. But that's what we were looking at, um, potentially COVID testing. And um, there may be some limits, but I think with, with everything changing so frequently, um, who knows what's, exact, what's exactly going to happen right. come August. But we are expecting to, you know, have a, a regular academic year again. Oh, that's awesome. And all the mm -hmm. student life, right? And then I guess they'll be probably using their their campus card to be able to get in and access all these different areas, like the fitness center, again, everything like that. Absolutely. I mean, they'll be using their cards to get into the residence halls, to get into the rec centers, the libraries, to eat, eat in the dining hall, to make purchases on campus, printing, copying, um, the whole the whole gamut, just like, it, you know, just like before before COVID. Right. I do hope, though, that what we learned in the last year is that our constituents here, you know, students, faculty, staff, realize how important the card actually is, <laughs> right. um, that it is so much more than just a piece of plastic with your name and your picture on it. Yeah. I mean, it. I like to say it's the key to the Emory experience, and so I really hope that people feel that same way because at one point that was the only way literally you could – get in anywhere. And right. I don't know if that's going to continue or not. They haven't really addressed that yet. Um, but it is important to have, and it is your way of getting around and getting business done. It absolutely is. And so I think that, like you said, there's there's been some changes that, that happened due to COVID, but that hasn't been all bad. Uh, and so what are some of the changes I'd say that, that were made that you see as really a good thing and continuing on? Sure. Um, I think I'd like to, you know, take a step back and kind of let you know where we were before COVID even hit, because right. working on changes to our service has been something we've been working on for quite some time. Okay. Um, I joined Emory less than three years ago. And when I got here, um, our previous provost was comparing our office to the DMV. Ooh. They were saying that we were worse than the DMV. And that's so heartbreaking. That's not when good. You have a team, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have a team of people who worked hard 
um, with what they have available to them. And, you know, you have someone going on stages and, you know, are, you know, speaking around campus saying we're worse than DMV. So what we really set out to do was really to improve the customer experience in our department. And I think we've kept that in the forefront of our minds as we've worked through our operation changes for COVID. But what we really, um, the challenges we had, and I think they almost set us up to do well right now, is that we we were having a poor in-person experience because okay. we had such large crowds and long lines. I mean, people were waiting 90 minutes, an hour oh, wow. to get their cards, and it was just crazy. And we were in this one location, and it's a, it's a decent building. I mean, it's right near the bookstore. It's not in the heart of campus, but it is you know near the bookstore, so it's easily easy to find. Um, but that was the only place we were doing business. And so we had this small lobby, and it was crowded, and there was nothing that you could like pre-do, you know, nice. pre request or anything like that so it was kind of a mess so what we did was um, we did a few different things one of them was that we obtained what we call our mobile units and these are fully functioning card production systems it's got the laptop it's got the camera it's got the printer it's got everything in a mirror because you know you got to check yourself before you get your picture Um, but we have three of these, and um, they are in Pelican cases, two Pelican cases per unit, and we schedule them to go all over campus. So instead of having people have to come to us um, and wait in our space, we went to them. And I think just doing that, that goodwill went over huge on our campus. Oh, so yeah. that was – and not just for the students, for all the partners we have on campus. It was, it was really, really great. And the reason why we had to go to all these places is that because people weren't uploading their photos in advance. Okay. Because if people would upload their photos, we would pre-produce all these cards right. and be able to hand them off to, you know, the law school or the business school or to the housing office for all the new residents. So we had to make sure to we so we had our mobile units, but we also really worked with the program coordinators and our, off, our admissions office and our undergraduate education department who coordinates orientation to really promote the photo upload option. Um, and we, we definitely saw an increase even, you know, now it's a hundred percent cause that's pretty much the only way we're doing it. But um, we really saw a higher adoption. And when we came to like the medical school or the law school, we would specifically make a, a, a templated form for, or not a form, an information sheet for them. Okay. So it specifically said school of medicine, please up, upload your photo by this date. So it wasn't, it, it felt a little bit more personal to sure. them. So it wasn't like, Oh, okay. This is just some random form or right. information that goes out to everyone. And I think that helped a lot. Yeah. Um, well, so we had, so we got the mobile units and then we had the, you know, the photo uploads that we pushed. And then we also implemented a queuing system. Now we did have a homegrown system, but it, it gave us nothing. It gave us no data. Like we, to get data from it, to say how many people came yesterday or anything like that, they have to, it would just take forever. Okay. So we were made aware of this great queuing system where folks could either check in in person or they could log in on their, um, on their phones yeah. and, get into the queue. So it would be like, okay, you have five people ahead of you, or you have three people ahead of you. And it was so great because it, it really kind of let people see, you know, where they are in line. They're not just standing aimlessly in a, in a lobby. They could, you know, actually right. see when their turn was to come up. And if people use their mobile phone they or device, they could put in their phone number and then they could go get grab a coffee or run over to the bookstore while they waited for their turn. 
So they didn't have to sit there and wait. So that worked really well. And then I can talk later about how that adapted. That's what we adapted into our appointment system with the same queuing system. So that's been fantastic. And it has a customer service survey that automatically goes out to whatever customers came in that day. It gives me all kinds of data on the number of people that came, the number of people who didn't show. And then when you're in regular operations, you can see which person on the team serviced them, how long they waited, how long they were being serviced for. Um, You can put touch points in, you can put notes in, and it's just been really great for pulling data and seeing kind of how things shake out with our customers. Oh, that's awesome. The other cool thing that we did, and um, I, when I was at a previous institution, I went to like a product showcase done by Rico, and they had this avatar. It wasn't an avatar. It was like a hologram, like a cutout uh-huh. hologram, uh-huh. and it, it was motion-censored, and it welcomed people or it directed them to do an action. I was like, and so here I am at Emory, and we're dealing with this lobby issue, and I'm like, there's got to be a better way. So... I reached out to Rico and they said, well, why don't you come to our offices and see it? So luckily there was one nearby. So a colleague and I went and we saw the hologram and it was creepy because um, <laughs> it looked like a person yeah. on a hologram. So it was a little weird. But then they showed us this avatar that they were rolling out. So um, it was exactly what I was looking for. Nice. So we got this huge screen. It's a touch screen. Uh-huh. It's, it's like 86 inches. It's something ridiculous. Oh, wow. And yeah, it's huge. And so we have an avatar on there. We were able to, now there were certain, you, you know, you were limited by the choices they had unless you wanted to go custom and, you know, really go all out. But we went with what they had and we actually were able to put her in an Emory t-shirt and her, cool. we named her, em, we named her Emily nice. and she is motion censored. So when you walk up, she will welcome you to our office. She will explain to you how to sign in. Um, and then also there was options for learning about other departments in our building and kind of how to find them. You know, she yeah. would say, okay, well, to get to the financial aid office, you can go around the corner and take the elevator or look behind you and take the stairs. Wow. Um, so that some people thought she was creepy. Um, I didn't mind her. She has big eyes, but <laughs> to me, they weren't any bigger than your typical Disney princess. So right. it was, it was okay. Um, but the only problem is, is that she's, touch screen activated so she would tell you here you you're welcome to emory card why don't you sign in and so you have to touch on the touch screen to sign into the queuing system well obviously back in march of last year we had to turn it off because you couldn't touch anything sure so what we are hoping fingers crossed is that we are going to move her into a voice activated customer uh, experience so you'll be able i don't know exactly how that's supposed to work but um that would be really great and i know um some people you know some people felt great about her some people didn't but i think it's just an interesting yeah concept to welcome people because we don't have a um like a uh, a reception desk sure. or a someone sitting out there all the time right. so it was it was kind of a way to combat that issue i love that yeah it's just a good thing you didn't name her alexa or you'd have all kinds of confusion when you mention voice <laughs> That's true. You're absolutely right. It's actually, we, it took us a little while, but the reason we named her Emily is because one of the singers from the Indigo Girls, Emily, I don't know her last name, but she was a student here. Oh. So we were like, that's a tie-in, Emily, Emery, it was kind of all tied in together. So we kind of went with that. I think it's we great. Like it. So it sounds like, I mean, 
you've used some really cool uses of technology during this time. And it sounds like obviously uh, Emily is going to stay, but maybe transition a little bit. Uh, what else are you going to have moving forward? Sure. So the one thing I didn't mention is that we actually just, within the past couple of weeks, finally got a, um, a, a live chat feature on our website. Oh, great. Because what we were finding was is that we would email back and forth with one patron probably two to three times before we got to the heart of what their question was. Right. Um, so we, I said, we ha- there has to be a better way. So we got this chat feature, and it's monitored during our regular business hours, and someone can just pop on and say, how do I upload my photo? How do I make an appointment? And someone from our team is live there ready to answer their questions. So I definitely, I think that's a, it's an easy, simple low-cost option to make the customer experience better. So we're definitely going to keep that. As of right now, I think I want to keep the appointments. Um, I know not everyone loves the idea of not being able to just walk in, but I think the benefit of knowing that that time is set aside for you, no one else is going to, you don't have to wait in line. um, I think that outweighs the inconvenience of not being able to walk in. So I really want to keep the appointments. Now, right now we offer 27 appointments on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and then 18 appointments on Tuesday afternoons. We actually added Tuesdays because Monday, like I said earlier, we were so inundated with requests, we couldn't accommodate everybody on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So we added Tuesdays. Now I would imagine when we get back in August, when people haven't been here for 18 months, they've right. probably lost their card. So I'm assuming we're going to need to either add an additional representative to help distribute cards. Mm-hmm. Um, so we would just double the amount or we would add more appointments or both. Right. So we'll, I definitely want to keep that. Um, the mobile ID stations, definitely going to use those. Um, like I said, we had those before COVID. So it's almost like we kind of set ourselves up to be successful as we moved into this crazy time. Um, Yeah. So right now we're starting to plan where we're going to be rolling them out in the, um, in the fall when everybody's moving in and returning to campus and how we're going to situate ourselves. Because even if we have, say we have a hundred percent submission of photos and all of them are accepted and we print all the cards in advance, there's still going to be issues. There's still going to be people who lose them and, you know, on the first day um, and need one to go eat, eat breakfast the next morning, or there's going to be um, an issue with their card. It just doesn't work. So we're definitely going to still keep setting those up definitely in the student center because it's right in the middle of campus and the dining um, facility is right downstairs. So we'll definitely set those up during the, um, the, uh, the first week back. And then the photo upload, I think it's so great. And I I know so many people moved to that during the last year. That was a huge move for a lot of people, but um, it just makes sense. I mean, it just, that way they can, you know, make the picture what they want. We try to make it as easy as possible. Like it used to be, oh, it has to be like a passport style photo. Right Right now we're like, just take a selfie in front of a white wall and we'll be good. Exactly. You know, we even show, we should have pictures in um, illustrations on our website of someone holding up their phone the correct way to take a selfie. (laughs) So that way it's just like, as long as it's a white background, it's only you, you'll be good. And so we try to make it as easy as possible. So we're definitely going to hopefully continue to push for that in the future. Yeah, that's really great. I mean, it's all in that self-service mode, and we're so used to doing that now. Like you said, if a, a college student doesn't know how to do a selfie, then there's a bigger problem. 
<laughs> exactly. And sometimes, you know, when you do have the older faculty members, like, what do you sure. mean a selfie? And so, we'll, you know, we walk them through it. And it's, it, I have to commend one of my team members. Um, a lot of folks have some issues with making sure that the photos are in the right format, like JPG versus PNG and all of those kinds of things. She would actually do Zoom calls with these people one-on-one to help oh, wow. them figure out which photo to upload, what format it needed to be in, all those kinds of things. She's actually planning over the summer maybe once or twice a week, kind of having a, a drop-in, like on Zoom, so people can go and say, look, I'm having trouble. What do I need to do? And she'll help them through the process. Oh, that's a great idea. So speaking of staffing, any changes from a staffing perspective? Um, no, not on my side. Not on my side of the office. We actually, just before the pandemic, we actually lost two staff members. One retired and one moved on. So we went down to just four of us, and so it's been an interesting transition over the last year because people were taking on more responsibilities and, you know, picking up for the positions that were vacated and all of those kinds of things. The inch, Kind of on the flip side of that, with staffing, we actually had to do some changes with how we had, um, distribute cards. Okay. Um, for specific populations. So in the past, and I, you know, I don't, I mean, I've only been here for less than three years. I can't say exactly how this happened, but there would be individuals from different departments who would say, oh, look, I need a batch of 10 cards for X, Y, or Z. I need them to give to the UPS driver, or I need to give them to, you know, these vendors coming in. Mm -hmm. And we realized that the, there's people walking around with these just they're just plain white prox cards because right. sometimes they wouldn't even get them from us they'd get them from our colleagues in in security systems before we had a better working relationship and so they would just have these batches of cards and anybody could just use them and walk around and oh. you wouldn't know who they were tied to or any of those kinds of things and so as you're trying to track you know who's going in and out of buildings for contact tracing and all those kinds of things this this was kind of like a nightmare so what we did move to was is that we can't we're not doing that anymore and we have a really good working relationship with our colleagues in security systems or our lock shop um, where they will make sure that they will say no we're not doing that anymore if you have someone coming to campus either a visitor a contractor what have you they need to be sponsored and um, on our campus that's a two-step process it has to be worked through with our IT department so that they can be placed into our, you know, our data systems. And then that data will push over to us and then we'll make them a card. Okay. Um, and we'll, you know, if it's only for a month, it'll be for a month. If it's for, you know, a year, it'll be for a year. But no more of these just random blank cards um, just floating around campus. Because, yeah. I mean, that's just, that's not good for anybody. It is. And it is interesting some of the things that just happen that obviously when everybody had to go remote and you had to change processes, you start to discover some of these things, right? That's that's absolutely right. Um, We found that um, the administration and leadership started to understand how important it was to have everyone have a card. I mean, like I said before, Emory cards are key to campus. And so that was forefront in people's minds anymore. Um, you know, it wasn't always the most convenient thing for people to have to take care of, but they realized that how important it really was. Sure. Um, and then also the card data. Now, granted, I wasn't providing this data, but the access reports were able, you know, through our Linnell system, we used the Linnell system, uh-huh. we were able to compare the access reports to the people who um, completed onboarding. 
So we could say, okay, so, you know, faculty member ABC, they've been in the building two times, but they haven't completed onboarding. Ah. So that was a way of reaching out and they would be able to compare these reports and say, okay, faculty member, you didn't complete onboarding. If you don't do this, you're going to be locked out. And so luckily it, they did such a good job that it got to the point where it was maybe like, cause you would get, you know, you'd get two warnings and then you get locked out. Right. So they were the numbers of people that they had to reach out to were so low, but it was a great way to take card usage information right. and this, you know, important onboarding information um, to make sure people were being safe and, and were supposed to be on campus. Wow. Well, that's, you know, really interesting. And so uh, I like how you said that all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, the card office has really, you know, <laughs> become this really important piece and realizing it's the hub of everything that happens, including reporting. So are you asked now for more reports from different areas on campus than you have been before? Um, I can't say that we've been asked for more reports because we have a really great system on campus called, we call it Emory Shared Data, okay. which kind of pulls data and pushes data. So it takes, it's the authoritative source for all account information for individuals. So, you know, when a student is um, put into the system and matriculated or where, when an employee is onboarded, all of that information goes through there. And that's where we get their, their names, their expiration dates, what their category is, all of those things. And then um, we receive it and are able to make cards based on that information. And then we provide the prox number to go back out so that it can be used in our access systems and things like that. So okay. they really have a great handle on all of the data for us. And that's where a lot of reporting comes from. Sure. I'm not going to tell you that we don't run reports, but we, I mean, we absolutely do. I mean, but it hasn't necessarily been for part of this. Okay. There's been more so reports coming out of the access system and from those reports, we were able to identify that there was a large population of cards that were in the access system, but not in the one card system. And it oh. was like, well, how did this happen? And why did this happen? Right. Um, it was a large, it was, and it was a large enough population to be concerning. So now we have, we do have a, our hospital. We also have the children's hospital, and then we have a department of animal resources. Hmm. So those groups have their own cards separate from the university card, okay? okay? Now, we're able to activate hospital cards for university access, and we can um, activate children's hospital cards for university access, and that's all done without us. And so as long as that information is put into the system correctly, like, okay, Dr. Smith it has a Emory Hospital card. We activated it for campus access using this prox number. Okay. As long as that information's there and it's correct, great. But what we found was is that the information wasn't always correct. They didn't always put down mm -hmm. hospital employee right. or ch children's hospital employee. They would just put staff, okay. faculty. So it's like, okay, well, are these actual faculty and staff members that have like a, a plain white prox card or a key fob, or is it actually one of these, these you know, other extenuating circumstances, right, that are actually acceptable exceptions? So we reached out to these people and a lot of them were confused because some of it was just bad data. It was just, it was right. not entered correctly. It should have been entered as a hospital employee and not just faculty member. 
But some of them we were able to identify. I mean, we had some people with just plain white prox cards. We had people showing us pictures of wristbands, which we've never even issued, <laughs> um, pictures of key, old key fobs and all kinds of things. And those were exactly the people we were looking for. We had someone, oh, I have 10 blank prox cards. Like kind of like I was talking about before. Right. And it's like, no, 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 no. We, those are the ones we actually needed to identify and rectify. But it, it was a huge undertaking because as you, so you can reach out to all these people, but then as they respond to us, it's going to be almost a unique situation for almost every single person. Because sure. it's like, okay, you're a hospital employee, but your primary role is actually with the university. So while you have a, a healthcare card, you should actually have a university card. And so it was kind of like navigating um, what cards you needed and which right. one should be active and you don't need this one. You should have this one. And it was, it's, it's been quite an undertaking and we, we, our deadline was last week. We didn't actually turn anybody's cards off last week because, right. you know, there's still people emailing us and all those things, but it's given us the opportunity to really take a look and say, if we're going to allow these other exceptions to put in these numbers into the Linnell access system, right. the data has to be correct. It cannot just be this, you know, staff, faculty. It has to be very specific so that we don't go through this experience again. Right. But a lot of these people are like, I don't have that card. I never had that card, <laughs> you know, or they lost it or whatever. And so it's like it's still active in the access system, even though they don't have it anymore. Right. So it was this huge – it was this project of like, okay – you, it says you have three cards. You only have one? Okay, which one of the three do you have? Okay, now we need to make sure we deactivate these two cards. Yeah. So it's going to take some time because we have to tell our lock shop which ones to deactivate. We have to you know, help people get the cards they're supposed to have sure. and then make sure this doesn't happen again in the future. So that was and is still a big piece of this, but... I think everyone kind of knew this was a problem. Um, this and the previous issue we talked about where people were just giving out blank cards right. to whoever. But no one ever did anything about it because it was just, eh, okay, it's okay, whatever. Yeah. That's the way it is. And I think that COVID and this situation we were in with locking things down right. and tracking people's you know, access – really brought this to the forefront and it's almost one of those things that like you can't turn a blind eye to it you sure. can't say oh okay uh, yeah i know that's going on but i'm not going to do anything about it it was like all right someone's got to pick this up and do something about it and right. that was us i mean it may not directly it may not be directly affecting us but it's part of the bigger whole and that's sure. kind of what we do we're part of the bigger institution and we have to make sure that you know people have the right credentials that we know where they're going and that everyone is safe and healthy. Absolutely. I mean, again, it's one of those interesting things that you didn't mean to go down a path, but like you said, it was one of those big surprises, but also a nice key learning that you're able to take advantage of now and really get that organized and kind of have a fresh start. So that's awesome. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's going to take some time, but I think we'll all sleep better at night once right. we know that it's all clean. Absolutely. So I know you also recently became a board member of NACU. So first off, congrats. Thank you very much. Yes, I did. Um, it was, um, I, I didn't know if it was going to be my year or not. Um, I did, I put my name in last year and uh -huh. it didn't pan out for me. And um, I, I love working with NACU and vol volunteering for them. I've been a member of the Professional Development Committee for quite some time now. Okay. And I was most recently the chair of the committee. And it was great because we got to do some really fun um, projects for the association. 
we were able to we get to review all of the proposals for the content for the conference. Oh, okay. So that was that was it was always so great, and I always wanted to do more. And um, this year was my lucky year, and I've only been to one meeting so far. So yeah. um, actually, no, two two meetings so far, but um, I'm really excited because I'm going to be, I'm the secretary for the board, so I get okay. to take all the minutes, so I'm actually really paying attention, <laughs> right. and I'm going to be the liaison to the tech research committee, which is something yeah. new for me. Um, after all of my volunteer experience being on the professional development committee, I really felt like I needed to kind of expand my knowledge of what goes on in NACU and just in the card industry in general. And so I, I didn't say to put me on the tech research committee, but I said, you know, I'm, I'm open to put me, you know, where you need me. And it's a liaison role. So um, each um, volunteer committee has a, um, a board liaison, a staff liaison, and then a committee chair. So I'm just the liaison to the board. So I will take information back to them or bring information to the committee. So I'm really excited. It's a three-year term, okay. and um, I, I, I'm just excited. I'm excited to go back to the conference. I mean, we had the virtual one right. um, just a couple weeks ago, yeah. and it was fun. It was exhausting. I was like, how do we keep up this pace during, like, for a whole day, right. potentially in a different time zone? You know what I mean? Um, so I'm really excited to, to serve NACU and to uh, – to see everybody next year, hopefully. Yeah, that's great. So, so yeah, speaking of that conference, uh, what were the trends that you heard? I know with everything sure. changing. <laughs> yeah, um, there was obviously a lot of sessions about how people adapted to our new situation. Right. So there was a lot of content about that. But some of the biggest trends um, were talking about photo upload, like I mentioned before. Mm -hmm. A lot of schools either offered it but had a very small um, usage rate or didn't have it at all. And so a lot of schools had to quickly put that into practice. And so there was right. a lot of discussion about photo uploads. Um, anything that could be done with mobile. Mm -hmm. So um, not just mobile credential, because we all know that that's huge and everybody's interested in that, how that works and moving to mobile and auditing your system and all those kinds of things. But like food delivery robots, I mean, yeah. I don't, we don't have them here, but some schools do. I mean, and it's all worked through a mobile app with your card and you right. can pay with, you know, your, your declining balance. And so that was really, really interesting. But there was a lot of great content about just all kinds of subjects this year. Customer service, leadership, um, finances, when you're, you're trying to reconcile st stored value accounts, uh -huh. mobile credentials were obviously huge. Pivoting was big. I mean, there was a great session from George Washington University about what it's like running a card office when your neighbor is the White House, especially over the past <laughs> right. year or so, like all the stuff that's happened there. And it's like, what do they need to do and how do they work with their emergency management folks? So there was a lot of great content where it was card offices talking about how they work with public safety, dining, sure. residents, like those kinds of things, because it was virtual. So we were able to have more people not just attend, but also to participate as presenters because they were, it was easy. It was just, you just logged in and you were able to do a presentation. So there was a lot of great content this year. That is amazing. And like you said, I really think it's, you know, highlighting you all are the hub and it really has a lot to do with all the different departments and connecting. I absolutely agree with you. And that's why I enjoy working in this field so much. It's, 
You know, I didn't I didn't start out my career to being in campus car. Didn't nobody knows that's really a thing, you know, right. at first until you go to college or whatever. And I love it because it it interacts with so many parts of the campus. It's not just student life. It's not just the residence halls. It's everything. I mean, it it really when you get down to it, it's everything. And that's why I really enjoy being in this field and hearing how different schools are organized. I mean, that's a great too, because every school has their card office in a different place. It could be right. in auxiliaries. It could be in student affairs. It could be in police, you know, the safety and security right. department, finances, what have you. And so it's just, it's just so interesting um, from both your on-campus experience and then from your networking experience. It's just, it's just a really interesting field and it brings so many things together. That is great. Well, thanks so much, Kim, for all of your insights today. Oh, I was so happy to be here, and it was a pleasure talking to you today. Absolutely. Well, you definitely showcased that the Emory card really is the key to the Emory experience. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Focus. Don't forget to subscribe so you can stay up to date on the business of higher education. For more information, check us out at touchnet.com.